at least for me, you know, with a small child that needs constant supervision in school, it's allowed me to make things work. And of course, it, it helps even more if you if you know you have a partner that's able to do grocery, homework, and everything equally as you. And so you have somebody to to share that that burden with. So so those kinds of, of policies that that allow you really to have an equilibrium between your work and your family life, I think, will encourage more women to stay in the workplace and really think about more about their careers rather than how it will impact you know their their family life good day everyone and welcome to another episode of the stem talks podcast and of course before anything else happy women's month to everyone and in line with this year's international women's day theme women in leadership achieving an equal future in a covid 19 world we continue to recognize the contribution of women in the different fields of STEM, especially in combating a pandemic like COVID-19. So in our previous podcast episode, we invited another advocate of women in STEM, where she shared about her experiences and how we can also bridge the gender gap in STEM. But in this episode, we invited Miss Julia Abad, the Executive Director of Philippine Business Coalition for Women Empowerment, wherein she advocates for the increased participation and advancement of women in the workplace. She was also honored as a young global leader by the World Economic Forum in 2014 and is also recognized as one of Manila's 40 under 40 leaders in international development by DevEx in 2013. She is a strong advocate for women empowerment and gender equality, especially in the fields of politics, public policy, and social development. So, hi, Ms. Julia. Again, it's really such an honor to have you here with us today. And happy Women's Month. Thank you. It's, I'm also quite pleased to be here. Um, sorry for the delay in setting up this interview, but I'm glad we finally got our schedules to sync. Hey, so I know I already gave you a short introduction earlier, Ms. Huli, but maybe you can tell us more about your journey as an empowered Filipina, whether in and out of STEM. So unfortunately, I am not one of those women that pursued a career in STEM. I studied um, communications as an undergraduate and went on to do public policy as, a, as my master's course. Most of my career has been spent either in government or the NGO or philanthropic sectors. This job actually is the first job that I, I work hardcore private sector, uh, even if it's it's slightly still on the development side. I think that's it. Uh, I have a nine-year-old daughter, um, which is probably one of the reasons why it's important for me to try and get you know, I, I, I'm I'm quite interested to pursue the advocacy of you know trying to get young girls into careers that they would not traditionally be seen as interested in. So I, I also try and encourage her to to look at things you know as not for boys and not for girls, but whether or not it's something you like or don't like. Thank you, Miss Julia. You mentioned that you have a, you have a daughter and. Of course, I'm sure that you you also agree that it's important for young girls to have role models, especially in STEM. So this brings me to my next question. What do you think are the biggest 
influences and enablers for students to get into STEM? And how would this translate to their interest in pursuing and staying in STEM careers? So I think most of the, well, at least from my own experience growing up, no, I, I really, unfortunately, I'm one of those females that really was not interested in math ever. So I, I don't think it has to do with anyone telling me that girls are bad at math. I just really never liked it. I did, however, like science. I had a very interesting character for a science teacher in grade school. So there were a lot of us that were quite interested in it. Um, however, it was not really something that I wanted to do later on when it was time to choose jobs. I've always been a sort of a reader. So in the end, you know, reading and writing is, has always been something that I like to do. So I ended up studying it. And even, even during work now, those are the things that I, I'm drawn to. Even if I have to manage people, I, I still try and get myself involved in the writing aspects of, of my job. Maybe in terms of influence, I think role modeling is a really big part. I, I was told once by, you know, this is me speaking as a parent, but I guess also as somebody who tries to mentor young people in the office. Kids, you know, they're not very good at listening to you. And this I know from experience. But they do mirror your actions very well. So rather than telling them how to behave, you should show them. And I think in terms of careers, you know, the more they see people that they can aspire to be or they feel that they should aspire to be, that, that's really one of the bigger, I think, determinants of career choices in people's lives. Thank you, Ms. Julia. So going back to your work experience, you know, you've been, I'm sure you, you also spent a lot of years trying to achieve gender equality in the workforce. So for you, what are the current gaps that you see in the STEM sector and were there any improvements compared to before? Are we actually close now to closing this gender gap? I think in the workforce in general, the, the Philippines does well in terms of, you know, encouraging equal participation. I, I, I don't think the problem is quite there. If you look at the entry levels of workforces in general, you know, there are almost equal, if not um, skewed towards women. In, in all workforces, you, you will see a good percentage of working women. However, I think the disparity you will find, well, one will be as you go up the ladder, you know, your CEOs are still mostly male. And if you look at the type of work, which I guess will affect, you know, the STEM industry, if you look at the type of work that's assigned to women, um, even when they go into senior management, uh, women really end up doing more of the support roles, you know, admin, HR, budget, and not really a lot of the operational roles or, or what they call in corporate, in corporate settings, you know, jobs that affect profit and loss margins. I guess that reflects the need to still break sort of stereotypical responsibilities that should belong to females. You know, that girls or female executive can still take on you know, the leadership roles or the more operational roles or go into professions 
you know that that are considered more masculine you know engineering going to industries such as banking and finance um, and so on I, I I think that has really to do more with how females see themselves and what sort of interests I don't think it's a matter of competency so for example I mentioned I had a daughter I before we sent her to school we had her do a series of aptitude tests and her highest test was really in the quantitative skills math but she hates it you know because she hears me all the time I, I think it has to do with that you know it, it, it's not a matter of skill because when she took the test she was very good at it but in terms of interest, it's not something she likes because we don't really have a lot of people who like math around us. I'm not sure if that is a gender thing, but it's it's certainly uh, an environment thing. So maybe improving the environment so that, you know, jobs that are considered non-traditional will be more attractive to females and, and young girls. We also read your article, Ms. Julia, and inquire about empowering women for the future of work. And in that article, you also discussed how we can address the gender gap through STEM. So we're interested in knowing more about this. Maybe you can elaborate more on it. Well, we did do a particular piece of research with Unilab, uh, which looked at, you know, establishing a, a baseline for, you know, what students' interests were um, in STEM um, and really how to move forward. So I guess that, that was really one, one part of, of the story is us trying to understand, you know, where in their development stage do female students move away from STEM careers if you look at the study, they show that there's quite, you know, a balanced interest in STEM. But the STEM careers that, that female students do get interested in are really more of the, you know, medical profession and not, not so much into, you know, IT or engineering courses, which might be where more jobs could be found in the future. Although, as we see uh, with this COVID, you know, R&D in the medical profession is also something that, that looks like it will be an important sort of career pathway as we move on. But I, I think updating our definition of what industries belong in STEM and presenting those, you know, how your choice of career links really to current developments. I, I think when 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 people, well, you know, it's been a long time since I've attended a career talk, so I don't know how they do it now. But to link it with current developments, you know, how your choice of careers will affect, you know, the environment that you are in. How do we see current developments affecting sort of the job scenario in the future and really looking at how you could be relevant um, in that setting. I think it's very important for students as well as employers to look at, you know, the, the, the question of career choice and career counseling in that way. Yeah, we, we agree, Ms. Julia. And, you know, according to our Youth in STEM report, like there already is that interest in STEM. So both males and females are interested in the field and they're aware of, or they recognize the positive impact also of STEM in the world. It's just that we 
there's still a lack of relevance to the career. Like they still think it's just limited to the med- medical fields or engineering. So since, especially for females, they associate STEM to medical fields. So what do you think about this perception of STEM careers and how would this affect the future of work and industries around? I think, well, it's related to, I think, the issue of role modeling. For example, uh, I, I sit on some education boards, no? And when we talk about diversifying your pool of teachers, you know, we always talk about how come there are no men who want to be teachers? Very few. And it's really because all throughout your life, especially in the public school system, if you look at them, all your teachers are female. So, you know, if you're a little boy and until you're whatever, 16, 18 years old, all the teachers you encounter are female, you don't really, they're not really people you could see yourself becoming, right? So I think it's the same. Um, If you look at STEM careers, um, you try to point them towards, you know, information technology or AI or engineering, most of the people you would see in those sectors would still be male. And, and you know, the role models are not really relatable. Um, one thing I found interesting in the STEM uh, report, actually, that, that, that was presented to, to us, to our team, was that one of the recommendations was how do you relate STEM as a career or as a career pathway to the values that students identify with. So, you know, if you're one of the things that what we we saw there was that females, you know, want to be able to understand how the world works. Um, And really STEM is the perfect kind of um, industry that you should get into to do that, you know, it's not only behavioral psychology, but but really research, R and D, and and all those things, you know, problem that that will lead to the kind of problem solving that we need in the future. So I think it's that it's it's making STEM less of um, sort of highfalutin, um, you know, industry that's difficult to understand to actually something that's relatable. To the things that you are interested in or, or that you might find in your day-to-day. Thank you, Ms. Huya. Um, going back to our youth and STEM report, like you mentioned, like females are you should, or females are they don't actually have they lack the confidence in their own in their skills such as technology, engineering, and math. And even though that interest is there, it's it's kind of also sad to hear or see that they don't have enough role models in the field also to pursue a STEM career. So going back to STEM education and how can we make this more gender responsive so Filipinas have access to it and they'll also retain that interest so they can also pursue a STEM career in the future. So one of the things that we did in PBC Weeb, well, one, we had a an advisory member, a tech company that was that told us, you know, we get it's it's hard for us to employ students who are not exposed to the actual workplace in general, no, not not just in STEM. So they were saying that internship programs were really helpful because you know they allowed students to actually learn 
how you know an uh, an actual workplace function not only from what they read in books and stuff and and then we 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 found that you know that that firm was actually trying to assist public schools with their internship programs and and one of the problems that the school was encountering was that when they had students that were required to undertake internships you know they couldn't really find internships in in stem related fields you know they would end up working in the barangay health center counting the number of vaccinations and that was counted as stem um, but what you really need is exposure you know to a research firm you know some some place like unilab or some place like a like a tech firm like Accenture where you you work with actual professionals and you can see how it works you know so that it's not something that you just read about in books or watch on TV but some an environment that you actually get to become part of and then you get to see whether it's something that you're interested in or not because without that kind of exposure you don't really get you know kids i i say kids because i you know they're they're really kids still at that age to become interested or actually the companies to actually also see whether or not you know these senior high school graduates because that's what the K12 reform is about are ready for the workplace um and how they can help to get these these students ready for employment at the end of their 12 years of of basic and secondary uh, education Thank you Ms. Julia, very insightful and it's also great to hear that organizations like you know our organizations PBCWE and UNELA were working towards promoting gender equality in the workforce and in education. So in your past experience also and I'm relating it to what you do now. What kind of policies and practices do we need now to promote gender equality in STEM and you know especially in the workplace? Well, let's start there. There, uh, I think, you know, different across. Maybe let's start with schools. From from my own experience, when we, I guess, in schools, you know, um, what kind of values do we want to see in our young girls? You know, you want them to be curious. So when they ask questions, um, you you let them ask questions. You let them express themselves. Um, you know, children. Children and young adults should be encouraged to be inquisitive, you know, to develop critical thinking, not just memorize, not just repeat what they are told, but really to understand why things happen and why they are related and how they are related to each other. In terms of breaking gender stereotypes, you know, in a co-ed classroom, the stereotype is your class president is a boy and your class secretary or class treasurer is a girl. So, you know, you encourage your females to take on more of the leadership role and also encourage boys that it's okay to play a supporting role or or to be um you know the organized person in class it doesn't always have to be a girl and so you know I, i think in terms of encouraging participation it starts at a very young age and and to be able to 
see themselves out of the usual mold. You have to encourage that, um, you know, from when they are little all the way until they get out of school. Even in 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 the kind of classes that are offered, I won't. Uh, for example, where I went to school, you know, when I was in high school, the classes that we took were sewing, cooking, and typing. My my brothers had computer and, you know, woodworking and art. So we we had we didn't have those. So you know, just just for you to envision what what kind of um, you know skills or what kind of person those those skills would turn you into. In the workplace, uh, we we did a similar study with Makati um, Business Club um, because they wanted to see what were the barriers that kept women from getting into leadership positions. And one of them was really women are a little bit more concerned about the impact of their careers on their personal and uh, uh, family lives, you know, more than males. So I think, you know, workplace policies that will encourage an equal sharing of responsibilities that, that will allow fathers, you know, a parental leave to take care of their kids um, and not only impose the burden on, you know, a, a parental leave means you can share it across both parents versus a maternity leave, which only requires the mom um, to go on leave. And so that that responsibility just falls solely on the person who already carried the baby for nine months. Uh, and it's breastfeeding, you know, so to be able to share the other parts of parenting with your partner and for your workplace to allow your partner to do that is already a big deal. I think those are little things. Flexible work, this is something that has, you know, boomed in this lockdown period. And I think while it's it's been quite challenging for families to work from home, at least for me, you know, with a small child that needs constant supervision in school, it's allowed me to make things work. And of course, it, it helps even more if you if you know you have a partner that's able to do grocery, homework, and everything equally as you, and so you have somebody to to share that that burden with. So so those kinds of, of policies that, that allow you really to have an equilibrium between your work and your family life, I think um, will encourage um, more women to stay in the workplace and really think about more about their careers rather than how it will impact you know, their, their family life. It's also good to hear that, that more and more people are also realizing that you know, it comes to housework, Everyone in the household should be involved also. Like, magtulungan tayo, di ba? And that people are working, like not just women, like people are working towards achieving a more equal future for everyone. So the, the responsibility just doesn't fall on women. Like, it's not just about telling them to be more empowered. But of course, policies and certain practices also have to be in place. Just going to my next question, you know, this International Women's Day, I mentioned earlier that this responsibility of promoting gender equality doesn't fall on women. So moving forward, how can how can the government, the industry sectors, and the rest of society work together to ensure that Filipinas pursue a STEM track or eventually a STEM career? I think it's a mix, of course. It's, it's your education um, system. It's your workplace. Um, and it's also your... your media and social media and public 
influencers you know it's we should really watch out for statements like you know this and this career is not meant for women um, this is not a woman's place um, even in advertising you know like let now for example um, you will find you know the medical industry is in the headlines all the time so it's also good to be conscious of portraying you know all the nurses as females and all the doctors as males because you do have male nurses and you do have female doctors um and so so in the advertising industry when you when you show you know videos of engineers and videos of scientists there's you know it's important to to have a conscious effort to make sure that you show both male and female. Outside of those, I think in schools, um, you know, the, the report was very useful in terms of pointing out that that there should we should take advantage of, you know, the, the youthful interest in STEM. Because even my daughter, actually, she loves um, her, her science class, even if she does have that fear of math, because I guess... Um, you know, she hears it and she watches it that, you know, math is sort of a daunting subject. But science, where you can make a mess and make things explode and find out what happens if you mix this with this or that with that. You know, that that kind of curiosity is something that's important to cultivate. Um, and, and, and you know, once you've studied it and, 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 you know, decide to make a career out of it, in the workplace, you know, the workplaces should also be places where, you know, you don't need to not have a life to pursue um, sort of a, a leadership career in any industry. Um, so it's important, especially now, I think, in many ways, the, the quarantine sort of environment um, has allowed us, one, to really put a focus on, you know, work and family life and how to make it, how to make those two coexist without you losing your mind. Um, and tech, second, I think it's really allowed all industries, you know, even the most demanding ones, even the ones that, that are very conservative and don't really think about flexible work or, or, or any of those more progressive policies that have really allowed us to see the importance of having a well-balanced life. You know, um, in, in more advanced country, I, I, I work on an Australian project and, you know, uh, the, the Australians that, that I work with, it's, they put a high premium on, you know, when you are on leave, you're on leave. You don't get calls from work unless it's an emergency. And, and it's respected, you know, after five, after six, nobody calls you because you're at home. I, I come from a generation where sometimes, you know, people find it impressive that you work on Saturday and Sunday. You know, you stay in the office late at night. That's really, uh, you know, that in, in my, you know, when I was still working, you have to stay in the office until your boss leaves. But, you know, that's not, it's not very humane. <laughs> I mean, for, a, you know, if you're working on a project, Fine, or if there's a deadline to be to be met, or there's a board meeting the next day, 
Yes, but if you're just as a general rule to not have a life outside work is completely unhealthy. It doesn't make you a good employee and it really doesn't make you a good boss either because you know you have nothing else to do aside from work. Uh, personally, I I think those <laughs> those are are the kinds of sort of work environments that that you know we should encourage. Um Uh, you should have a life uh, alongside work and it should be fun. It, it makes work funner, I think. Um, and those things, you know, would definitely encourage more people to stay stay at work and, and look and see whether or not they should shoot for leadership positions because it doesn't necessarily mean you have to give up having a, you know, a life. Thank you for sharing that and of course sharing your insights as also a woman in the workforce and I, I didn't know that Australians would frown on that also like it's it's actually such a common thing here in the Philippines you know to work late till your boss leaves like I growing up I also experienced I experienced that I, I witnessed my mom go through that also and I guess to close the session you know we've talked a lot we've talked a lot about how we can get more women involved in STEM, how we can grow the interest, how we can get the different industries and schools to increase the participation of young women in STEM. So to close the session, I just want to ask, how can we get others who still aren't convinced about having more women in STEM to, you know, appreciate this, appreciate the value of women, of having them in STEM? I think it's just to keep talking, no? Um, the other thing I, I think I forgot to mention earlier in, in having a workplace that's conducive to work in is really to avoid an environment that discriminates, not only in terms of overt harassment, but also in terms of excluding you from important processes, you know, con- having a consultative Um, inclusive work environment that respects boundaries and respects, you know, your talents and your inputs. I think any environment that does that for their employees is one that will attract, you know, the best talent. Um, and I think uh, uh, one of our, well, several of our board members uh, at at PBC, we always say, you know, this is an investment in the future because um, at the end of the day, your best resource um, for any business are, are your people. Um, and in order for you to attract the best people, aside from, you know, paying them fairly, it's really to treat them well um, and to to ensure that that, you know, you make use of their talent. And allow them to flourish. And I think um, when you talk about having a business case, when you, how do you convince businesses that you know diversity in their industry is good? It's by it's really by showing good examples. So if you if you are the kind of business that wants your peers to follow in your footsteps, it's really to talk about what you are doing to make your workplace more inclusive. You know, more diverse. And show um, your peers how this diversity has contributed to increased creativity, to more innovations because of more heads with more ideas, you know, coming together in a room, whether it's a virtual or an actual room, and really getting that story and getting your business case out there. 
there's really nothing more effective for an advocacy than than an actual example that works and i think those uh, more progressive companies in the private sector that want others to follow suit really you know um, step up um, and show others what they have done and how this has benefited them currently and for the long run from your perspective how can we encourage more men to join the conversation in promoting this advocacy? I think um, there are, well, it, at least for PBCW, we have some very active male um, CEOs that really have seen the importance um, that they you know the value that diversity has brought to their companies they're mostly and it's from a diverse mix you know there are sort of professional service firms there are some tech firms there are retail firms oil and gas firms and they really talk about how important it has been to have a diverse mix of heads around the table, so to speak, because you really, especially in industries like STEM, where you, you know, innovation is really, um, there's really a premium on innovation because that's really how, how you get ahead in that industry. You know, avoiding groupthink and having different sorts of perspectives when you have meetings has proven crucial to them, you know, staying ahead in their in their industry. So, so I I think it's just a matter of finding them and encouraging them to speak to their peers. In PBCW, we also have a group called um, Male Champions of Change, and it's really um, asking prominent men to sort of step up and talk about um, their experiences as leaders and how, you know, their work. Um, in promoting diversity has had a positive impact on their business operations. Hey, thank you, Ms. Julia. And that's it for our seventh episode of the STEM Talks podcast. And thank you again, Ms. Julia, for sharing your insights. And it's really great to hear that both our organizations are both of us, like us individuals, we truly believe in celebrating every young girl's dreams, skills, and goals in STEM. And I'm sure that moving forward will be everyone else listening to this podcast, whether they're an industry leader, whether they're male or female, that also work towards promoting gender equality in their own homes or in their own environments. STEM Talks is powered by STEM Plus PH, the flagship program of UNAM Foundation. Make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast as well as our Facebook page, STEM Plus PH or at stemph.rocks. You can also follow our Instagram at underscore stemph for more updates. Make sure to tag us when you share our episodes and use the hashtags stemph, stemfi, and stemphrock. We can't wait to stemify the future of the Philippines with you.